Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel and most fascinating people in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And you look that up. And do you, my friend, know what Facebook, Ralph's Auto Service, Volkswagen, Koch Brothers Industries, Burroughs Heating and Cooling, Comcast, and Fernando's Greek Pizzeria all have in common? Well, think a minute. And as a hint, they're all part of America's business economic backbone, employing nearly two-thirds of the nation's workers, 98 million in last count, and supplying 57% of America's GDP. Still don't know? They are family-held businesses. Yes, my friend. These are the families who stuck together at home and in the shop to run a going concern which our nation and every nation so desperately depends on. And with us today to help explain the mystery of why family business is A, so powerful, and B, so neglected by government and belittled by investors, we have uh, – Dr. Dale Caldwell is a groundbreaking author, social entrepreneur, good friend, and the executive director of the Rothman Institute of Innovation and Entrepreneurship, based in Fairleigh Dickinson University's Soberman Business College. Dale is many things, uh, but above all, he is a business person of amazing understanding. So whether you are part of a family business or you'd like to learn about the investment or unemployment opportunities they hold, pull up your chair and join us for this feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your adventures flourish. Dale, I'm so glad that you're back with us again on The Art of the CEO to influence us, influence us, I should say, with some of your intelligence, a commodity people say this show could be as needed for a long time. (laughs) Well, I, I'm honored to be here. Bart, I'm honored to be here. It really is wonderful to be on your show again and, and to talk about a subject that's near and dear to my heart, family businesses. Mm. Well, Dale, uh, you are, the, the as I mentioned, the executive director of the Rothman Institute. And I'm just curious, before we get into the family businesses, could you – there is a goal, uh, there is a spirit in Rothman and uh, that keeps drawing – top global-level talent of the speaker's podium at your events. What's the goal and what's the spirit of Rothman? Could you give us that? Yes, yeah, Bart, I'm, I'm so excited. I've been the executive director for about a year, but the Rothman Institute has been around for almost 30 years now. And our mission mm, is yeah. to research, support, and promote entrepreneurship with a special focus on family and veteran businesses. Um, and so we've, uh, we're really taking it to another level especially in our veteran and family business programs. Right. Okay. Well, now, to, to just put us on the same page, uh, you know, when, when most when you hear family business, the term, most people think, you know, mom and pop's little shop. Uh, so could you define us, define for us, what is a family-held, family-run business? And give us a couple of examples. Yeah, well, a family-owned uh, business is, is really a business owned, the majority is owned, and, and typically a private business, the majority is owned by the family, and at least two family members are working in the business. Um, a lot of people right. make the mistake thinking that it has to be a multi-generational business, but it really doesn't. Um, it could be the same generation, but you really have to have two or more family members who are, are majority owners of the business. 
you know, and that uh, the the problem is that this, that is uh, to run a family together and a business together is, uh, shall we say, tries tries the patience of of uh, all involved. But but you know, I keep reading, I keep reading that family health business outperforms non-family firms worldwide. I think it's something like 7% in the U.S. and 8% in Europe and India. What is your assessment as to the, the, the strengths that, that the family businesses are providing here? Well, it, as much as there's conflict in family businesses, and, and you'd ask for some examples. Now, the family businesses range from the mom-and-pop startup shop to uh, one of the largest businesses in the world, Walmart. But Walmart is really a a, a, it's a shareholder business, so we, we really say that it's no longer privately held by the business, even by the family, even though they have majority shareholder. But but one of the mm. things that we find as we study family businesses is as much as there's conflict in a family, there's a strong bond between family members. That the family business right. has, especially multi generational, has provided jobs for family members for generations to come. Family businesses have proven to contribute more to the local economy than other businesses, and certainly the Internet. Um, so there is a bond. And so we all have families, we all have conflict, but we all have love. And I think that's part of what's behind it is love is one of the glues that makes family business successful. I I think there is there is something to that. I, it's, there's the old saying that uh, the family is the group that you that when you're in trouble, you turn to, they have to take you in. Uh and more often than it's done willingly. I think that it's uh, like living together and being versus being married. There's this, when you're in business with a family, there is a perhaps an extra incentive to keep it going, right? Yeah, well, and, and, and again, the one thing I, I'll say personally, so I have a younger brother. He's two and a half years younger than me, and I love my brother Paul. He's in oh. Maryland. He's been an engineer. But, you know, I'll see you know. my brother. I'll play with my brother. I'll fight with my brother. But if anybody else attacks my brother, I'm going to beat them up. So, uh, right. so, so it's funny. We, we, we have internal conflict, but when it comes to the family, we have some strength externally, and I think people forget that. And, and when you have just a business that's focused on profitability, you don't have that same kind of connection, that same kind of, of, uh, of pride about what you're doing. I think you just brought up a very good point. I, it's something I, I, I believe in, is in that uh, there is you're much more likely in a non-family business to focus on profit alone. And that's not enough of a, a lynch to hold, hold a firm together often is not. Uh, but in family, there is, there is that extra desire to keep it going. Would I be right in that? Yeah, absolutely. There, you know, there's a point of family pride. It's carrying on tradition. And, um, um, you know, the, the challenge that family businesses have is not everybody is, you know, has the same passion. Not everybody wants to be a business leader. And so families sure, have to sure. work through that, you know, as they go from generation to generation. Mm. It, it is it is difficult, and uh, but but it's there, and they're powerful, and as I say, they're holding us together. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time glides seamlessly across the turgid seas of cyberspace, where you may listen and download. Uh, this and all our episodes by visiting theartoftheceo.com. 
at that's the art of the CEO.com and is an added avenue. You can also enjoy us on C Suite Radio Station. We're proud members of C Suite Radio, where masterful business advice yields a very high ROI of both entertainment and profit. So just visit all our Art of the CEO episodes on C Suite Radio.com. Now, Dale, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong on the stats here, but I think we've got five and a half million U.S. family businesses. Uh, providing, as I said, about 50 57% of our GDP with a stronger uh, uh, performance. Uh, but uh, it's something that investors don't uh, sort of dismiss. They, they dismiss family-held firms as, as unapproachable. You've said they're private firms. Uh, do you have a, a good method or a secret method for the, the equity investor who wants to uh, bring some funding to a family business? Well, well, just as family business are, you know, stay together because of the, the glue of family bonds, they also stick together and 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 kind of preventing other people from from trying to uh, to, to to buy or own the businesses. And sometimes it's intentional. Right. Sometimes it's not intentional. And and you know, one right. of the things is as as you know better than anybody that for equity investors. You know, the most important factor is leadership. You know, the, the yeah, most important yeah, factor absolutely. is the quality of the leadership. And, and, you know, family businesses are often start by, started by a mom or a dad, and, and uh, they were tremendous leaders. The next generation may be even more or less capable. And, and one of the challenges is when investors look at that, they say, well, the CEO is very capable, but the, the, the VP or, you know, is not as, as capable. We're going to have to replace that person. And family businesses are often reticent to get rid of people that are underperforming. Is there, if if I were an equity investor, uh, investor and I was looking at something, is there an uh, an avenue or a fiscal instrument that uh, that I might best make my approach to a family business with that that, that uh, would seem? I mean, basically, what I would as, as an equity investor is, I want to get my money in and I want to get my money back out uh, and. and right usually long-term. So, uh, but how would I go about uh, doing that in a way that it's going to not seem like an invasion? Right, right. Well, it, and, and, and that's one of the challenges. There is no central database of these, these family businesses that could be, be good right. investments. Um, it's really on a case, very much a case-by-case basis. It's word of mouth. Yeah, and yeah. One of the roles the Rothman Institute can play, certainly in New Jersey and New York, is you know, we could be a clearinghouse so people can come to us and say, hey, we're interested in investing in this type of business so we can kind of help mm-hmm. identify those types of businesses. Um, Bart, I'll be honest. One of the other things about this is that family-owned businesses, the bottom line isn't always their number one priority. And some yeah. say that's yeah. horrible. That's horrible, maximizing revenue. But, you know, there comes a point in society when y- you can maximize revenue too much that yeah, you know, yeah, we're yeah. eliminating jobs and it, it becomes just for the shareholders and not beneficial to society. And so, um, you know, so that, that's, that's kind of a pull is that, that some investors want maximum profitability, but a lot of family businesses want, you know, maximum uh, longevity and they don't always go together. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think there, there is a whole different attitude in in that you brought it up i was reading in the uh u.s uh census business report that 76 percent of family business owners 
are willing, or as I say they have, or are willing to take a cut in salaries before resorting to layoffs, which mm-hmm. is, <laughs> if you choose, if you were to take publicly held firms or the Fortune 500 yep. or any other group that you would like, I don't, I don't think you'd find that that's kind of number. <laughs> Uh, and, and I was in a meeting with the, with the COO of a family business who uh, who did just yeah. that part. Who, who basically said, "Hey, you know, if, if we can't give the raises to the floor workers who are actually on the, you know, I'm giving my any raise I have, I want it to go to the floor workers." He literally did that for the last two years. Wow, that's wonderful. Good. That's uh, and he's the next generation. But it shows this. Mm-hmm. Oh God, you're building an entity here. That's it, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I and it, we're sort of, I realize we're sort of wafting into generalizations here. I, I know that that family businesses are no more all alike than all millennials are all alike, mm-hmm. regardless of what market <laughs> right. uh, yeah. And uh, but what are some of the the so is it, you, you've talked about a few of them, but are, what are some of the uh, cultural similarities that you're finding as you move around? Because you move in both small and 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 you're consulting mm-hmm. in large. Large family health firms too. How do you uh, do? You see a, a sort of a some cultural similarities that are fascinating. Yes, it, 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 and, and one is is this willingness to put the longevity of the organization first. Um, and again, mm-hmm. we're you know we're global, and 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 you know we're, we're really um, uh, we have which we'll talk about this family business week coming up, which is really a global week of celebrating family businesses. But um, one of my colleagues, Sue Slavin and Maura Panuski, who really run the institute, where they're they're my my team. Um, Maura, I think, was in Italy. Yeah, yeah, no, actually, Sue, Sue was in Italy, and uh, the family businesses have been in the same place so long that there are brass plaques in front of the businesses saying they've been there for 160 years. You know, and so oh this idea gosh. of quick turnaround Whoa. and turnover. So family businesses are revered in parts of the of the world. Um, it's not about let's make as much profit and sell tomorrow. And so that's a common culture that they're really looking at, and they almost feel an obligation if they're certainly second or third generation to say, hey, my grandfather started this business. I, I, you know, I don't want to be the one who, uh, who, who has the business fail or who just sells it so I can make a quick buck. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's something. And that's a power uh, that I think – while I may be the entrepreneur who wants to sell out to Google as quickly as I can with my my new invention, I still look at that plaque and I respect that in a, as a uh, as a business person. I still do. Yeah. And um, yeah. you mentioned yeah. something, Dale. So let's get to it. We do not want to uh, miss this. On October 23rd, Rothman Institute is holding its 27th annual Family Business of the Year awards and. Uh, Tell us, could you tell us about the rewards and uh, the the awards and what kind of positive trends you're seeing from the awardees this year? Well, it, it's it's been amazing, and so um, you know, 27 years of doing this. Obviously, you know, I I, I haven't been there that long, um, but the family businesses it, it almost becomes an exclusive club, and so we've stayed in touch <clears> with <throat> those businesses over, over the years. Um, and this year we have, you know, every year we have just tremendous uh, nominees. We we announce at the meeting that the the, the winners. So the, the winners of the uh, of the awards for under 10 million and over 10 million don't know who won, but the final the finalists are, will be, all be there 
to uh, so it's October 23rd at Crystal Plaza in Livingston. So we still have tickets right. if you go on you know online to um, um, you know fdu.edu/slash/family-business-awards. Uh, um, you can get a, get a ticket, but it's a, it's great networking. There'll be a lot of, of outstanding businesses. They oh, bring yeah. many of their top employees. Uh, Crystal Plaza is uh, you know is outstanding. Um, and um, it should be a great evening. It should be a great afternoon. It's 11 to 1. Um, I, uh-huh. I should also say that that evening we have an economic forum uh, put on to talk about the economy and small business. It's free. There's dinner provided at in Madison at, the, um, uh, at Linfall Hall in the mansion. So we're really making it a, 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 a wonderful day of family and small business celebration. And Oh, work. yeah. So I yeah I uh, I can tell you that I'm intending to go and I, I hardly recommend it to uh, all the listeners. Uh, some of those in Darwin, Australia, or Zambia may find it a bit of a long flight, but um, there will I recommend anyone who is in the uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania area to come to this because you are going to find uh, you're going to find. A bit business networking, but you're going to find a different kind of access. You're going to find an entrepreneurial spirit that just bubbles over. And if you are indeed one of the uh, an M and A mergers and acquisitions person or an investor, this uh, is a fine chance for you to get your feet wet and sort of get a feel of what might be interesting. So I I, I pass it on, and I, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. Um, Dale, just one thing uh, about it. We had uh, you've been we, we've been sort of hedging around this. We had a fellow uh, a while back. He's a, uh, a psychologist, business consultant named Tom Hubler, uh, and he was talking about the unique psychological challenges that come with mm-hmm. running uh, a business and a family simultaneously. Some of mm-hmm. them are obvious. But you are an expert uh, on influences and the influences that people grow up with and, and, and take into themselves and, and how to deal with that. So could you, could you give us just, just one big challenge that you see facing family business and how to deal with the influences that the family members accrue as they come along? Well, that, that, Bart, that's a great point. When I was on your show last, I talked about the intelligent influence, my, my book about this framework on leadership. And the analogy that I use for the, for the audience is that the research shows our musical tastes are developed between ages 13 and 24. It doesn't mean we don't like stuff now, but what we listen <clears> to <throat> at that time is what's very powerful to us. And so um, it wasn't, it's not just music. It's, it's our favorite food, our culture, our religion, who we think is attractive, all these influences make us who yeah. we are today. And so one of the challenges right. families have that even though multi-generation, the music of the parents may be very different than the music of the children. So yeah, yeah. The, the parents may say, I'm working 70 hours a week uh, for the family. And the children may say, hey, I want to do some social impact. I'll work 40 hours a week, but I want my 30 hours to go to make a difference. And so families have yeah, to work yeah, uh-huh, with the uh-huh. different music of the different generations, and they usually need an outside group like ours or others to help them work through those challenges. Uh-huh. Okay. Very good. I, I think that's, that's very well put. Uh, my friend Dale uh, is going to continue to lay out the intricacies and advantages of family business right after you and I 
take a brief uh, sorbet from today's Feast of Wisdom as uh, I offer you a few, shall we say, utensils for today's feast. And the first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you find one more solid ally to help in your distant business dream goal? Or will you continue to keep your dreams private and thus unfulfilled? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, I can sense you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book. And I had one marked here. I'm going to find it's in the middle. Hold on. Oh, here it is. Here it is. I, I marked this. I said, uh, it's, we have 1,500 LinkedIn connections. We have 20,000 people liking us on Facebook. Now, if we can only get some of these marvelous friends to buy our stuff, we'd be rich. <laughs> so what do you think, Dale? Is there really any correlation between social media and revenue, or are we sort of being duped into uh, some must-have element for our business? It's it's a very, very slight correlation. Um, yeah, you know, the, the whole social media, we, we think, you know, I have, you know, I have over 20,000 between Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram, you know, I have those. And so I let people, when I write a book, I let people know that certainly doesn't turn right. into to profits, but it certainly can lead to profits in the long run. You have to follow up. You have to do the old style selling to people, letting them know what value you're bringing to them. Um, social media uh-huh. is helpful, but it's not the be all and end all that some people say it is. So it's it's important to keep that in uh, keep that in mind. But that's a great great point. Oh, I'm glad you, that's a, you put that very well. My, my feeling is that every every branding tool in business can, as you say, lead you to more clients. But uh, it's a it's a murky and can be expensive traveling road if you don't have a guide who has efficiency and profit oriented uh, mm. mindset to, to give you a hand. At any rate, if you smirked a bit over that quip, we've got them literally by the books full. Just uh, visit bartsbooks.com and pick up your copy of the 102 or the 101 best business quips, and your joviality quotient will rise, shattering the grim visages of your fellow wage slaves, cracking the veil of seriousness with a smile and all this silliness I'm coming up with. Anyway, uh, as your third utensil, we sumptuously spoon to you the answer to last week's business quotation, that is the name of the individual who said, a committee is a group that keeps minutes and loses hours. <laughs> Those words were spoken by none other than an early television master of the one-liners, Mr. Milton Burrow, who dragged <laughs> gloriously across the screen as Uncle Milty. Congratulations to all you winners, and stick with us, because later on in the show, Blurting Your Way, comes another quotation, and if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be, and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a soul-igniting gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And Dr. Dale Caldwell will continue laying bare the ways of family business, needs, uh, the needs and advantages, right after I introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing. And this week's the folks at Prometheus 
would like to proudly announce their Prometheus Social Enterprise Awards video. And for those of you who are with us um, on September 19th, we're at Fairleigh Dickinson's University Hennessy Mansion, uh, where we, and by we I mean Bart from Prometheus and our partners in crime, Dale Caldwell and all his Rothman Institute team, we celebrated the top social entrepreneurs from around the globe, and we all felt this air of unmatched excitement. Six of the eight honorees came before our audience and shared their electrifying energy and experience, and it's, it was all bound into the Torchbearer Talks, a video that shows these amazing people with their passion and practical tactics for bettering and rejuvenating uh, an entire city or practically halting rape and pillage of war or rescuing victims of disaster or whatever their successful efforts had been. It was an evening of magnificent hope, and we want to share this with you, and if you would like to have a video of the Torchbearer Talks. It's free, and it's a video that you and your children need to see. These Torchbearer Talks come to you when you write us at info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And by, while you're there, go to the bartsbook.com website and see who just who is one of the eight amazing people from around the globe who won the Prometheus Awards. Uh, Carpe diem, my friend. You are indeed worth it. And now, with utensils in hand, uh, let's swing our agile minds back to Dr. Dale Caldwell as he enlightens us a little bit more about the throws uh, and advantages of family business. Dale, we, we talked about how people were able to, uh, you know, the, the attitude of the family business founder. And mm-hmm. from an employment por- uh, point of view, I think uh, family businesses are employing nearly two-thirds of our nation's uh, workforce. Um, uh, as an individual job seeker, though, uh, you've seen it. What are some of the advantages for my deliberately seeking out a family business firm to work for, as, as an outsider, uh, a family mm-hmm. business? Uh, and what are also some of the caveats i got to be aware of? Well, the, the, the one, and that's a great question because – once you're in the family business, there is loyalty like you'll never see in a big publicly traded company. Uh, once you've proven yourself, you become a, you know a, an ex officio member of the family. So um, <laughs> you know the, the, you know many of us, in fact, more more Panuski in my office talks about her dad working for a major corporation who basically, in good uh-huh. times or bad, said we're not going to lay you off. We're going to keep you here. We'll deal with it, and so on. That was the way you know, old publicly traded businesses used to operate. It wasn't about making money yeah, every quarter. No. The family businesses right, operate right. the way those old businesses do, that between if you're part of the family, ex officio part of the family, and, and go through good times or bad times, they're going to keep you. They're going to do whatever they can <laughs> to keep you because they, it's a relationship. And so if, if there was yeah. one word that I would say that family businesses have that are missing in other businesses is relationship, true relationships. Um, now, the downside, you know, is it's not that easy to get into the business. Um, also, and, and to be very frank, one of the downsides is family businesses hire family. And not all families right, are true. hardworking. And so there, there are people in various family businesses that don't work as hard as others, but because they're the, the, the family member that's, that's um, you know, not thought of as highly as others, they have a job. Sure. Um, so, so you 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 experience that in some firms too, some organizations too. 
you know, you know, it is it is uh, a difficult thing, and, and of course, uh, a lot of people I've heard say that you could move into a family and get stuck. But what I've seen in family health businesses, and I'd, I'd like your opinion on this, uh, the corporation, the, the larger corporations, the publicly held firms, are are trying to do more with less. They're trying to please the shareholders. They're trying to see how few they can hire. Whereas, but most of the family businesses I've seen are looking to grow, and more growth means more people, which means that if you are uh, and you're you're doing you're handling accounting, that you're you're job and uh can grow right along with with that family business is that a, mm-hmm. that's how i'm i'm seeing is that is that the trend you're saying yeah i mean that, that, that that's certainly true as a worker um yeah absolutely they'll grow with the business now one of the other challenges is that so often when you have a family member at the top they may not be willing so you could be an outstanding manager leader you know because you're not a family member you may not advance to ceo now a lot of people don't want right, to see right. it, and that's fine. So that that's a that's a limitation. Um, but but one of the things, and so my research expertise at, at Fairleigh Dickinson University is focused on entrepreneurship and public policy. And one right. of the things that we miss in public policy is that encouraging companies to maximize profits every three months is not necessarily good for society. And so so public policy oh, no. should be supporting the family business. Um, you know, the, the success of family businesses, enabling family businesses to hire folks from the local community. Um, and we really don't have public policy. And it's not a conservative or liberal thing. We don't have public policy that seems to understand how important family and small businesses are to a full employment. Now, we say, oh, well, we have low employment in the country. But the reality is in urban communities, we still have very, very high unemployment. And there are a lot of people mm. looking for jobs. Government should be incentivizing um, the hiring, and that could be through tax credits, um, through employment tax credits. So companies that hire someone get a $5,000 tax credit for everybody they hire from the local community. So, so that would help to continue this lo- focus on longevity, not on short-term profits. I think that's very true, and uh, you mentioned it. it leads me to two thoughts and the first one i that comes in is that uh business leadership uh, I'm, I'm sorry family business uh is is sort of a key to community leadership it, it is a natural flow how often do we see major business people taking major stands in the community and is is that not a win-win both for the family business bottom line if that uh as well as uh win a, a win for society right Absolutely, and, and one of the one of the stats I don't have a more recent one, but I think of a few years ago the the research showed that if you if you spend money with a family business, like thirty cents of that dollar goes back to the local community. If you spend it on the internet, oh two gosh. cents out of that dollar goes back to the community. So so we think we're saving <laughs> money going online, but we're not helping our property taxes in New Jersey. We really need to support those local family businesses so that they create jobs, they create more rateables, tax income that can help uh, government reduce yeah. property taxes. I I totally agree with you. So here I am. That, the, the second part of that is why then is federal, state, and even local governments, they talk about being business-friendly. They talk about wanting to help business, and they're talking about, you know, so let's attract uh, Amazon here. Let's get or, or let's help. 
the, the uh, a Fortune it, by helping Fortune 100 firms, that means we're business friendly. Uh, why why is it that uh, the government, as I say, all levels, is giving short shrift to the family businesses? And and give me one or two things that you'd like to see see them do. Well, one thing that I, I say to folks is that if every public official in America had an experience of having to make payroll, this country would be very different because the politicians <laughs> sure don't understand – they don't understand how hard it is to be – I mean we have, we have some of our clients who are $30 million you know, manufacturing businesses. Bart, if they have a bad six months, they're out of business, and so it's not yeah, like yeah. they're perpetually and they're making millions every year. They're plowing a lot of that money back in the business. The other side is this idea of short-term politics um, that so often, and I've heard and many of our family businesses and small businesses have talked about how they've been abused by conservative and liberal municipalities, that they want yeah, the money yeah, yeah. now, that they basically overcharge them so they can get the money now instead of saying if we invest in these businesses long-term, they become more successful. They're more tax revenue for the municipality which gives us more flexibility to improve services and reduce taxes. Instead, they said, oh, good, this business is moving here. Let's tax the heck out of them. I mean, in one town, uh. which will go unnamed, I was talking to a business, and they said, well, they reduce taxes on the residents but double taxes on the local businesses because they're not, they uh. don't live there and they don't vote. And, and so that's oh, all about God, yeah. the short-term mentality of politicians that's hurting God. citizens. And I don't necessarily blame them. I blame us as citizens because we're not speaking up to really challenge the system to say why are our main streets and our urban businesses struggling. Right. And I think I think it's true that the breaks and the from the tax uh, incentives to everything the government can do is is just not seeing the people and it has to be brought to their attention such as the way that Rothman is doing. And if I am a family business and I want to find uh, some help that way but in, in just help my business expand by talk to someone who understands the whole all the challenges that faces uh how can i contact uh rothman and get in touch with with uh the the incident with you and and, and find out more about the programs well pl- please feel free to email me directly and and my email mm. is d caldwell c-a-l-d-w-e-l-l at f-d-u dot e-d-u so D Caldwell at fdu.edu, and uh, you know we want to hear from you. We really want to uh, make this. And you can also call our office at the 973-443-8577, um, and uh, with our web address is uh, fdu.edu uh, backslash Rothman. Okay. That's great. Thank you for putting that up. And before we let you go, I, I want to uh, just mention the remake of you, – you've done a remake of your marvelous book, uh, School to Work to Success, uh, which the Newark school system has just deemed so valuable that they've, they've taken 5,200 copies and they're giving it to all the teachers and staffs and saying, read this. And, and so give us – could you, before we, before we let you go, give us a brief thumbnail about the book and uh, tell us where we can get a copy. Okay, well, well, one of you know my my passion is uh, my dad knew in March with Dr. King is really trying to end poverty through employment, and so my book School right. to Work to Success really talks about 
the, um, um, the different steps of, of how to find a job and, and the basics that a lot of people who are looking for jobs don't know. What's a behavioral interview? How do you manage money? How do you get promoted? So we talk about those things. But one of the things before I go is this family business ties into this. So we've started something called Family Business Week. The website is www.familybusinessweek.com. Familybusinessweek.com. Right. What we're doing is because family businesses are more likely to hire long-term unemployed, we want to tie, and, and my foundation is focused on tying this job training in the book School to Work to Success so that people are ready to get hired by family businesses. We think that family businesses are the secret to reducing poverty worldwide uh, because they can hire people. And once you have a job, the best social programs create jobs. And that's what my book is really about, right. helping people who've been out of jobs find a job and succeed in a job. I, I love it. And they should remember look for the Dale Caldwell Foundation also. You can Google that. Dale, it's been I really appreciate your coming on and uh, setting the record straight about family businesses, telling, uh, what, giving us the whole feel about the power they do have, the help they do need, and what Rothman is doing to help. So thank you very much for coming on, and we're all going to be looking forward to October 23rd. But this is a wonderful show. It's an honor to be here, and I hope to see all of you October 23rd um, at our Family Business Awards. The 27th. Thank you, Bart. All right. Thank you, Dale. And as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business, but also your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. And that is, who was it who said, adversity has ever been considered the state in which a man most easily becomes acquainted with himself? <laughs> And as a hint, this uh, snide 18th century leader of Britain's literati was praised by his biographer Boswell nearly as much as he praised himself. <laughs> so, And remember, if you know the author of this quote, just send that author's name as you believe him or her to be right off to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely life and career-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, the finest wine a person may ever savor is unexpected accomplishment after a great labor. Sip it slowly with great relish, my friend. You truly deserve it. And to you, gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the art of the CEO as much as Dale and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this on all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you, who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege, and I thank you. <laughs>